L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Hey there! Welcome to Sick and Tired. Just remember, we're not here to give you medical advice. Although I am in the healthcare profession, I'm a licensed massage therapist, but with my scope of practice, I can't diagnose and I can't prescribe anything. We're just here to kind of give you some advice. We're just going to share some stories or topics that will help you feel that you are not alone out there. We're also going to be discussing some body parts. (gasps) Yeah, so if you're not comfortable hearing about your own vagina or prostate... Oh, don't use those words. Well, this might not be the podcast for you. Well, I'm okay with those words. So I guess this is the podcast for us. Yay! Hey, I'm Jake Trumper. And I'm Alex Schulte. And together, we're Historically Historically Inaccurate. And you can learn history with us because I'm kind of an expert. I'm not sure if expert's the word I would use. No, I'm ready to teach people history because, like, uh, ask me to name every president. But I know you can't. No, just ask me. I don't want to hear you do that again. John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, uh, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson. So we're a brand new podcast distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. New episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcasts. Jake, are you still going? Jake, just fast forward to the end. We are literally running out of time. Did you literally forget the president who is right now, Joe Biden? Joe Biden! I did it. I was in I was in my group. Come and learn with us, everybody. Well, it's still kind of me. I'm kind of doing You couldn't even remember Joe Biden's name. I'm doing most of the teaching. It's mostly you. Thank you. L-A-S. Hello, everyone. My name is Amy with an A. And I'm Jenny with a Z. And welcome to Sick and Tired. A podcast for people who are sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Mm -hmm. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about sex, drugs, and the pelvic Pelvic floor. floor. Part one. This is Jenny's story. That's me. So I think to start off, I think it's probably important that we kind of give everyone a background of why are we doing this and what what our individual stories are. And I think, Jenny, you need to start because you really are uh, the person that kind of started up this idea, but you're the person that I found that had the identical problem that I had. So without you, I don't think this really would have happened. So... Take it away, Jenny with a Z. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Um, yeah, so I think of like if you had, if I hadn't already had this happen, which was a terrible thing to happen, and I'll I'll go into that in a little bit. Um, I wouldn't have been able to help you. So this is kind of what we're we're hoping mm-hmm. this does is just help people uh, empower themselves and and become their own advocates with healthcare. Uh, sometimes health, you assume healthcare providers have all the answers. And a lot of times we found out they do not. And so uh, so what had happened was uh, several years ago, uh, the year before the huge flood in Cedar Rapids. So the huge flood happened in 2008. Um, I was my own business owner. I had a, 
uh, viable business downtown or a very thriving uh, salon downtown. Um, and it was the winter before that. So that was a terrible winter. We had huge, huge just snow every day, ice every day. I was driving through the same ruts, destroying my car every day. And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to get to the spring. We're going to get to the spring. Spring thaw is going to happen. Everything's going to be wonderful. And so then during that time, my body decided to do some crazy things. So um, I was in my 40s at that point. And I started having where I went from Hardly ever having my period. This is this is usually so. Just so you know, we're gonna be talking about girl parts and personal things. So just so you know, if you don't want to hear uh, personal stories, too bad. And if you don't <laughs> want to hear the word vagina, you're not gonna want to listen to yeah, this. Yeah, you're gonna hear it a lot. So uh, anyway. So I went from being a person that hardly ever had my period. Um, I would go maybe three, four months without having a period. And so a little background on me. I am a Korean adoptee, so I don't know my family history. Um, but I would weirdly know, just just know things about myself. I was very in tune to my own body. And I would tell people when I was a little girl that I was a twin in utero. And my mother would say, like, you have the biggest imagination. I don't even know how you know that. <laughs> Um, I found out later that was true. Um, and I also uh, would tell everybody when it was when I would when I went through where I was supposed to be starting menstruation. Um, I started very early. I started at the age of 10. Um, wow. So I started before anybody else in my class. Um, which was, <laughs> that's a story for later, because um, <laughs> that in itself is a, it will be its own show probably. Um, but anyway, um, so I went from. Uh, starting very early with my having my period but I would go months without having it and then suddenly um, a new moon would happen and I'd have my period and I would tell people that it was because I only had one ovary and my mom again would say where do you come up with this stuff how would you know this stuff so later when I did when I was pregnant with my son um because they couldn't go by when my last period was, because that would have meant I would have already had him because I hadn't had a period for a year. Um, they did an internal ultrasound and said, do you realize you only have one ovary? And I was like, yeah, I know it's my left one. Right. And they were like, did you have one removed? And I was like, no, I, this is how I was born. I just knew that. Oh so God. I just, so I knew this. <laughs> so anyway, so I went from hardly ever having a period to suddenly in that year, that winter before uh, the, the, the big flood of 2008, I went, I was hemorrhaging all the time. So I would wear um, a tampon, a maxi pad, mm. and a diaper and have to change all those things every, every 30 minutes, every half hour. So imagine trying to sleep um, when you have to get up every half hour. So you never mm. get to sleep. So at one point, I was so exhausted, I literally sat on the toilet and slept mm. just so I didn't have to get up every half hour and and so I was hemorrhaging like constantly 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 and when I would go to the doctor I would be just exhausted of course obviously um, I was running a business during this time I would I was a mom um, I was keeping a house together I had you know a son that was in school so I had to keep everything together had you know but you had to do all that you have to at do the it. same time I don't right? have because, time to not because be if you doing... try and explain to somebody that you're hemorrhaging all day long they don't believe you right and they, yeah. and and even if they do believe you they don't think about it as yeah. a, as encompassing your entire day oh, your yeah. entire week your year well and I couldn't even like plan anything because no. not only would I have to change all that stuff every half hour but I would have like 
gushes. Like I would have like all of a sudden where I could feel a clot coming out and it would be the size yeah. of like a softball. Yeah, been there, done and that. And it would gush and mm-hmm. then suddenly it's you an change your pants. Yeah, you, you feel everything. like a child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was terrible. So like in one of one of those gushes happened at uh, a banquet for my husband's Christmas party, which was fun, mm-hmm. not fun, because then I was in the bathroom while they all finished up so that I, because I couldn't leave the bathroom. But hey, smile and look pretty, will you? <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't let anyone know that you're bleeding out. <laughs> yeah, don't ever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so when I would go to the, my doctor for help, um, assuming that my doctor was going to be able to help me, and I went to my GP, I went to my OB, um, the only things that they would do is they would test my uh, red blood cell count to make sure that I wasn't anemic. And they'd say, wow, you're amazing. As much blood is coming out of you, your red blood cell count is really high. So there's really nothing we can do for you because unless your blood cell, red blood cell count gets really low, there's really nothing we can do. So your body must be really good at just you know, produce, reproducing blood all the time. So I know that nobody can see this, but my eyes are currently rolling. <laughs> Roll, yeah, rolling. Right I now. can hear them. <laughs> yeah. They're like dice. But I, so I was like, um, really? I'm just, I'm, I'm literally exhausted. I'm not getting any sleep. I was to the point, like, I had told my husband um, that I said, if I could write a note that you could take me outside, out back and just shoot me in the head mm-hmm. um, and that I had said it was okay so you wouldn't go to prison. I was ready to do that because mm-hmm. I was at my wits end. I was in so much pain. Um, I couldn't sleep. You're in. You're like going insane because you can't sleep. You're in pain constantly. You don't feel like yourself. You can't do anything. You're not a normal so, person. You don't feel normal. I literally said, I think getting shot in the head, there'd be less blood. And, it, and, and then I'd be done. So I wouldn't have to do this anymore. That's so how bad it was. To talk about that really briefly, you get to the point where you're, you're suicidal. Oh, for right? sure. You, you know. It's it's three words like we discussed this whole time privately together, you know, over, mm-hmm. over this last year. Three words, quality of life. For sure. And everything that you just described to me, that was your, your current quality of life on top of having to maintain a business, on oh, top yeah. of having to be a mother, on top of having oh, yeah. to be the person that you are and yeah. having to smile and look pretty, uh, oh, yeah. you know, not let anybody know you're having a problem. All the while having doctors tell you, hey, you're amazing because actually you should be anemic by <laughs> yeah, now with yeah, all the yeah. blood oh, you've yeah. lost. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. we're not going to try and solve the problem. Yeah. But we just want you to try and maintain your quality of uh, life, yeah. quote, end quote. Sure. Yeah. It comes down to those three words, and that's just all it is. It that's not a quality of life. That's it's not, not living. It's not at all. It's so, not. And I wanted it to be done. I was ready to be because seriously, after months and months and months and months of not being able to sleep, uh, I couldn't plan anything. I was in pain all the time. A couple, several trips to the ER. Uh, one of the trips to the ER was after that Christmas party where I had gushed all over uh, my clothes, and I because when I would gush this huge blood clot that would freak me out so we would go to the er and then i'd sit there and you'd sit there for four hours because that was the average wait time and then have the doctor say well i'm not going to check you out because you could tell he was grossed out by the fact that he might have to look at your bloody bloody girl parts you know well, um, don't be a doctor yeah and it's like you're an er doc i'm sure you're seeing a lot worse things than this mm-hmm. right so um and so because he never checked me i was i was able to i did advocate for myself. And I called the hospital and I said, I am not um, going to pay for this because he did not check me out. I don't know what he would have done any differently. But at one point I was asking for a DNC just 
just to clean everything out. And then they were accusing me at that point of, was I trying to abort a baby? Uh, was I blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm not pregnant. There's no way I'm pregnant. I am mm -hmm. literally hemorrhaging constantly. Uh, but even if I were, that's, this is no way to, you know, treat somebody. Okay. Right. So, uh, so they, when I did talk to the hospital administrator and I explained to her what had happened, that he didn't even physically check me at all. She was like, the thing she said is she goes, well, what do you want us to do? And I said, well, I'm not paying for mm. that. And she was willing to do it. I pro I had a feeling that if I had had more energy in me and the ability to fight, I probably could have gotten some money. But by that point, you're so exhausted. You but just, here's the magic you, phrase. What do you want do us you want? to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of us have been in that position as a patient where we've had the medical community ask us yeah. what we want to do? Yeah. And usually in my past experience, I have learned to come back with a quick response on that yeah. and say, well, I'm not paying you to ask me that question. Correct. I'm the patient. Yeah, and you went to medical school. So I that's came what, here for a reason. Yeah, and we are asking you because we assume you are you are you are authorities in this. You you know you have answers, right? But sadly, that's not the case. So okay, so after all this time of hemorrhaging, I weirdly had um, a weird moment where I was where I'd kind of stopped, and this is a. Just one of those things I've, like I said, I've been kind of always been in tune to myself. I was very close to um, a dear grandma who had passed on. And my, uh, I had a gal that would do Reiki energy work on me. And um, she and I were very close, the gal that did Reiki on me. And I had told her about, um, I had had this dream that I had gone to my grandparents farm but you could tell it wasn't quite their farm but it was their farm like um and I this was a beloved place for me as a child and I had this feeling that I was seeing them in the place that they have decided to spend their afterlife right mm. and in this dream it was very real I got out of the car and my grandma came over to me and held me mm-hmm and said, Jenny Bell, it's going to be all right. I'm going to take away your pain. It's not time for you to come here yet. Wow. And I woke up crying and holding myself. And I had actually stopped hemorrhaging for a little bit. Wow. And so during that time, I had talked to my person that does Reiki. And she had said, I didn't want to ever tell you this because I don't tell people who your spirit guides are while I'm doing your Reiki. But she goes, but I always had this energy of like a grandmother, mother type. And I knew your mother was still alive. So she goes, I'm going to ask if it's your grandmother. And she did. And she said, it was your grandmother. So your grandmother is watching over you to protect you. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, <laughs> so, um, in, so during that time, I was able to be in my friend's wedding which up until then I had not been able to plan that I could even do it because I was like, if I'm going to be hemorrhaging and in pain all the time, I can't be in your wedding. So I was able to do that. That was in March. And then it started again where I hemorrhaged, started hemorrhaging again. And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, this winter is going to be over. The spring's going to happen. We're going to have, we're, we're, 
I'm going to be able to ha- have like a uh, positive, you know, sunshine, spring, happiness again. And it just kept happening and happening. Mm-hmm. And then we had the flood happen. And the flood destroyed my business. Luckily, it did not destroy my home, but it did destroy my business. And it literally destroyed because I was already in this place of like where I was the lowest I've ever been because I, you know, I, I was weak. Um, my body was was betraying me, obviously, but my body was 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 in a lot of pain. And then I was emotionally at the end of of everything and then to lose everything to that flood and the whole town had been destroyed and all all of my friends businesses and my friends homes it was it was just devastating and so um i and then of course we had a beloved cat that was 20 years old that was dying so i literally (laughs) i literally (laughs) took to my bed um and i was hemorrhaging and holding this cat and you know, like he was, he was slowly dying. It was, it was, it was a terrible, 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 terrible year. And that was probably the first time ever that I had such depression. I've never, I've never experienced depression like that. It felt like a wet blanket that Mm -hmm. was on me that I couldn't shrug off. Mm -hmm. So my rational mind would be like, oh, you can, you know, you, you don't need to feel like this. You shouldn't feel like this. You got to keep it together for your son. You got to keep it together for your family. And, um, but it was like I, I couldn't stop. Just I, I got very agoraphobic during that time. I didn't want to ever go out. Um, I, it, it was weird. It was weird. And then um, uh, my body actually did something else to kind of hobble me because I stopped kind of hemorrhaging. Um, they had done, they so the doctor had done a DNC on me thinking that it would uh, get rid of some of the polyps that were in there. Um, in my, that were all over my uterine walls, um, that she thought was causing all the hemorrhaging. Um, but then my body decided to, because I am one of those people that once I'm healthy, quote unquote, healthy and able to do stuff and at a hundred percent, I'm going to go 120 miles an hour Mm -hmm. and just get everything done that I can. So it was like, my body was like, nope, you haven't taken care of this emotional aspect and you need to take care of yourself so all of a sudden my body manifested a stress fracture in my foot so that I was hobbled Um, because they couldn't no matter what they did again they would do MRIs they would do x-rays they couldn't find any any evidence other than the fact that I could not put any weight on my foot Um, and so I had this boot which made me again more agoraphobic I was afraid to be in in big crowds with it I, I it was the weirdest thing and I remember the gal that did my Reiki again telling me, she goes, it's almost like your body manifested in a problem to slow you down, to mm. make you have to deal with this emotional thing. So I did. I, I had to deal with, I had to um, deal with the emotion of losing everything to the flood. Um, and then during that time, um, I had a hysterectomy, which... And my hysterectomy is not like everybody's because I am allergic to anesthetic, so I cannot be put under. Um, so I had to have one where they um, they go vaginally. So they go yep. up, they cut everything out, they pull it out, cut it, 
and then sew it back up in there. And I was awake for the whole thing. Um, the weird thing is, I'm the weirdo that I, that like surgeries don't gross me out. So I actually had done the thing you should never do. So don't do this. Anybody that's listening to this, don't ever Google and go on YouTube and look up a surgery. Oh my God. <laughs> so I did. I don't think I can I do that. I looked it up and I watched how they do the surgery. So I had talked to my doctor and I said, yeah, so I know exactly how you're going to do the surgery. And she goes, well, you know, some people need to know that. And I said, I am one of those people that I need to know that because I need to know that what is happening is what's supposed to be happening. Wow. So I kind of yeah. know if you're doing something weird, then I kind of know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, um, I was like, it's like you're drunk. Because I was like, just talking to the anesthesiologist. And we were talking about opera and theater because we all had that same thing. Yeah, it was really weird. As I'm getting surgery done on me. And then there's a point where she's like, stapling it stapling things back where they're supposed to be because i still have the one ovary up there um and and that's on my left side and all of a sudden i just go it's not like it hurts but there's pressure because it must have been where she was reattaching stuff and all of a sudden i just go it's not like it hurts like there's pressure and i was out she had must have signaled to him to give me more or not dilated sorry that would make me throw up versed um and so i was just i was out and then she must have sewn me back up and i woke up so because of that surgery um i thought oh everything's fine everything's gonna be great um yeah one of the things i did during that time when i was hemorrhaging i actually married some friends of mine in fact they had no idea that that day i was having a really bad case of hemorrhaging and so i had done their wedding and then I had immediately gone to the ER with my husband afterwards, and I had posted on Facebook. I was like, yeah, I did a wedding this morning, and now I'm in the ER. And they they saw it on Facebook, and they were like, are you kidding me? We just saw you at our wedding. We didn't think anything was wrong. And I go, well, that's why I didn't stay around and party yeah, with you. Well, you know. That's what you have to go, You have to keep going because <laughs> we're women. Going. We're women. That's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I thought everything was fixed after that hysterectomy, right? Um Little did I know that then it was going to trigger this thing called pelvic wall dysfunction, mm. which uh, mm. that's the pelvic wall. There w- seems to be a pattern of every time we go through some procedure, we think that everything is going to be magically fixed. fixed. Yes. And so it's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think there's a majority of us out there that know that that's a lie, but yeah. we still have this hope. Yeah. And we're sometimes given that hope mm-hmm. verbally through the medical community. Mm-hmm. And it's always disheartening and always disappointing to find out that there uh, is another thing at the end of the road or the end of the tunnel that you have to look forward to. Oh, yeah. Or that, like, you know, instead of it being the end, like you said, Mm -hmm. it's the opening of the Pandora's box of more stuff. It's the beginning of something Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, nobody ever tells you that. No. They just tell you, like, maybe they'll go over, like, what the risks of, you know, anesthetic and all that stuff and and infections and stuff like that, which, yes, we, we sign off on that. We give them informed consent that that's that we are understand that risk, blah, blah, blah. But it's this other stuff that you just don't – it's like they don't connect the dots for you no. even. They don't even think well, about this. Well, we are – every single person is a statistic. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that's become the norm um, is that you are supposed to be like the five other people that came in before you oh, and yeah. did the same thing. Oh, and this the was so easy for them, them, right? Yeah. But if you are different from that and you're outside of the box, then all of a sudden it becomes this big challenge. 
And oh, yeah. it, it's almost like they're running around with their heads cut off. Like, we don't know what to do because this person's yeah. different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no. What they'll tell you is they, wa- they just want to put you on antidepressants because yes. it's got to be in your well, head. You know, it's antidepressants it's or, be in your or head. you need fluids. It's got to be. Yes. I got that a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably need to be up on your fluids. That's probably yeah, why you're, probably you're so dehydrated, tired. Jenny. That's probably why you're so mm-hmm. exhausted. It's like, well, yeah. yeah, probably. I mean, I have like. A, you know, ton of blood coming out of me yeah. all day long. We're all, de- so, yes. we're all walking around dehydrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what the problem yes, is. Yes, that's what it is. And if we were just hydrated a little bit more today, <laughs> we would we would all be fine. I know. Yes, for sure. <laughs> As well, I'm drinking water right now. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're getting hydrated. That's 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 hey, good for important. you. That's good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so like I said, I could not. Uh, I'm allergic to anesthetics. So what it is about the anesthetic, it's a triple cocktail. So there's something that paralyzes you. There's something that is is in there for uh, to make sure that you, um, I, I can't even remember all the, the triple cocktail right now. I messed that up, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I don't but, think it's important any, for you but, to remember but the, that. But the I one mean... thing is a painkiller. So the one thing is a narcotic and that's what I'm allergic to. So I can't have any good painkillers like narcotic painkillers. So um, the opioid crisis did skip me because I cannot have any of those things, right? So, which is good. <laughs> um, but this is one of those things why I wish they would, why I have ad- advocated that they would allow uh, uh, pot um, as a possibility for mm-hmm. a painkiller. It is the only thing that actually I can use. I'm not using it recreationally. I'm not using it even regularly. I do have to use it for pain relief and to be able to go to sleep. There was a point where I was so bad because I was in so much pain, I could not sleep, that I called up one of my friends that I know is a big pot, pothead, and I said, please help me, put me out of my misery. And he brought me some over, and it was the only night that I was able to rest. And just having rest, your body can heal itself. Well, your, yeah, your, I, mental, your mental health gets better because you're sleeping. Yes, yeah. especially where uh, women are involved. And, and not, to, not to differentiate between women and men, but when it comes to our hormones, ladies, uh, (laughs) uh, one of the things that manifests when you start having a hormonal imbalance of any kind, whether it be pre-surgery or post-surgery, is insomnia. Oh, yeah. And if you go for days and days without proper sleep, your body starts to shut down and you start to manifest in other ways. Oh, goodness Lord, yes. And I've had that experience, unfortunately, and it's a very scary thing to go through. And so the first thing they want to do for you is put you on sleeping pills. Sleeping pills. You know, because that's or the magic. antidepressants. Yeah, or <laughs> antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication, yeah, one of yeah, the three. Yeah. And it's a lovely cocktail. Uh, and I have not done the antidepressants, but I have done a combination of, of the anti-anxiety or the sleeping pill. And then mm-hmm. I found out that just was not going to work for me. Um, so... Again, it was, let's treat the symptom, let's not treat the cause. Yeah, let's not find out what the cause is. Yeah. And my question was always, okay, that's great, you can give me a little white pill, Yeah. but what is causing this so that we can actually stop it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I had to, of course, do my own research. Well, that's what we we all, that's what sucks about this is this, and usually when you're trying to do it, if you're in pain, if you're dealing with an issue, you don't have, and you're also running a business you're right you know you're you're yeah. taking care of your family you don't have the you time, don't have time to, to, to do all this and to investigate you want an answer now yeah and you want something that works now because you've been dealing with this yes. right so well so then what happened was when I thought oh gosh you know it's all taken care of and then I had an incident where um, we had one 
in the winter, I always get some sort of coughing fit at one point in the in the year. I'll get like sinus infection and coughing or whatever. Um, I didn't this last year because we all stayed away from each other because we were quarantined in our homes. But um, but one of the years I had a really bad coughing fit and then I started bleeding from down there. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't have anything that I should be bleeding out of. I don't have a cervix anymore. The only thing I have is an ovary. Um, and so I called my doctor, of course, in a panic. And she's like, come come in. You can come in. Um, she goes, I, I need to see you. And then, of course, trying to get in right away is never, never happens. Because then when I talk to the, the receptionist, she's like, oh, she has an opening in three months. Okay, well... I need to see her now because I'm literally bleeding now. Why is now. three months the magic <laughs> Yeah, it's the magic time. time. So I had to have my GP call them and say, like, she needs to get in now. So they got me suddenly a magic appointment the next day. I don't even know how that happened, why the receptionist couldn't do that for me, but whatever. So I went in and she checked me out and she said, I think what just happened is you coughed and you burst a blood vessel and it's just <laughs> freaking you out because it's from a place <laughs> that God. she shouldn't be bleeding in. But that also did weirdly start this roller coaster ride of me having this weird pain down there, but it would, and if I, and so the pelvic wall dysfunction, but at that time we didn't know what it was. It was a year and a half of me. But that was the start. That was the start that I realized. But when I look back at the whole history of my life, I would always seem like I'd always have what they thought was a UTI, but I didn't necessarily have a UTI. Yep. Yep. I think it was also this um, mm-hmm. because I never had necessarily uh, infection in there when I would do a, when I would pee in the cup for mm-hmm. them. Um, I've gotten so good at peeing in cups, I don't ever get. I get it right in the cup. No sweat. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in a back alley. <laughs> I can do I it mean, anywhere. But anyway, we're pros. So, um, so I had this extreme pain and tightness down there, but it would always feel like I either had like the worst like bladder infection or yeast infection or like any kind of pain that you ever have down there or like even constipation. It was just, it was just everything. It was just like the worst pain. It would double me over. I couldn't even get mm-hmm. out of my bed. Um, like, and again, couldn't sleep because it felt like the pain would sometimes migrate from like the opening of my urethra hole, uh, mm-hmm to sometimes it would be up where my one ovary was or it would be just weird. I couldn't sleep. Or down to your thighs. Down to my, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Like seriously, I couldn't even figure out where the pain was actually coming from. It was just this whole area. Everything hurt. So if I'd go to the doctor, they'd give me medication for urinary bladder, uh, urinary UTI. And then of course that would give me um, yeast infection. So I'd have to chase that. So you're just causing all this trouble mm-hmm. right you're just it's a constant you're like circle. you're you're like a puppy chasing its own tail they're just treating the symptoms again like you had said um i was at the end of my rope i had gone to different specialists i'd gone to new leaf to see if they could figure it out what was happening um i like i literally was going to anybody i would have gone to somebody that would have rubbed two sticks together and told me like the answers i and the one thing so then they had me convinced that i needed to go to this urologist uh, because they thought maybe I had cystitis. And that's one of those things you hope it's really not that. And and so I won't go into the whole thing of like how horrible of, a, of, of an appointment it was. Because at one point they had an intern that was accusing my husband and I of um, of having herpes. And I was like, first of all, 
I just want to tell people, do not, yeah. you're not supposed to have somebody, some intern just drop a bomb and then walk out of the room yeah. because like, seriously, luckily I have a husband that's very understanding, but if I didn't, I could have had to have a whole discussion with him mm-hmm. of like, that he thought maybe I was cheating on him. Mm-hmm. He could have, he could have left me there. He mm-hmm. could have beat me up. Um, you know what I mean? And it wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. It, it was nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he left me, uh, he, they were they left us in there for like three hours and during that time we're like googling it and we're like oh my god we do have herpes because you know like you who doesn't have like itching and burning and weird since you know what i mean like you're you're thinking like yeah, yeah you're convinced th- those symptoms are, are they're across the board <laughs> you're for almost you everything okay so just so you know spoiler i don't have herpes nobody has herpes it was because my husband and nobody i have only been with on each other podcast yes, yes, okay, has herpes. herpes and yes we did say the name herpes and we have dropped several Several names throughout this entire period. So again, if you're not ready for this, the only herpes I have is glitter because it's the herpes of the craft world. <laughs> I have a ton of herpes, but <laughs> I'm bringing glitter in the next yeah, time. Yes, but you know I've been with only my husband for 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 well, I guess like tw- over twenty some years now. My son is thirty, so and you just now got herpes, and I just now got herpes just from looking at him. I guess, but anyway, so so there was a point where my husband was getting angry because they because the person that had dropped the bomb had said like, just so you know, you got to get tested, and that test can take like four hours. So my husband opens the door and goes, "If we didn't get tested for herpes, you better get started now because we've been here for three hours." And so then. The doctor comes in and goes, nobody has herpes. She goes, I'm sorry he did that, blah, blah, blah. So then, at, and we're already, like, upset. We've been there for three hours. I'm in pain. We're not getting answers, thinking that it's cystitis, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, I don't think it's cystitis. I think it's this thing called pelvic wall dysfunction. And she goes, what you need to do is you need to get a PT that will um, d- manipulate you from inside and outside. So basically, it's a massage Without a happy ending, but in that area, <laughs> but in that area, um, and and she's like, that's usually how we've treated it. Blah blah blah. People have good results. And at that point, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm pissed off. You are accused us of her having herpes. You don't know what you're talking about. This is crazy. I'm in pain. This is just I, I've everybody's been just kind of throwing answers at mm-hmm. me and throwing stuff at me and nothing's been working and I'm just getting, I'm frustrated. I'm out. I'm out. So we took off. And then when I got home, I did kind of, I did research it a little bit. And then I was like, I think that is what I have. I have, cause I had mm-hmm. everything. It was like, you know, uh, unexplained pain, just like everything. And like, I just was like, Oh my gosh. And it was like, it was like the heavens opened up and it was like, this is your answer. This is it. And just having a name to it after a year and a half of just thinking you're crazy and people trying to put you on, uh, anti-anxiety medications, like you said, and just like, you're crazy. Um, and then I called a couple different people that were PTs that did this. And I, and I had interviews with them to kind of check out to see who I fit with best and the person I fit with was Jenny Herting which is funny that her she's a physical therapist her last name's Herting (laughs) but she is a lifesaver I mean she Mm -hmm. like yes she does techniques and yes she's very she's very up close and personal with you but hey but it was amazing and the knowledge that she has and she gave me this article that was written about this person that had 
uh, different people that had this pelvic wall dysfunction. And I was like, oh, my God, it's like somebody wrote an article about me because you do feel like you feel like after a while, like you're crazy. The doctors think you're crazy. They think you're manifesting these Mm -hmm. these. There's no way you could be having this pain that you keep talking about. They think you're manifesting it. Um, So then they try and put you into anxiety. They're also like like I said, they're chasing the symptoms. They're not chasing the things. And and then when you find out like one in every four people, men included, have this and maybe don't realize it because it, it's it it's manifested in different ways. Like some people have it where they have urinary incontinence. I had it where it was the opposite, where everything was tightened up. Yes. Um, which is actually, I guess, a better problem to have. So I'm mean, at least not like urinary incontinent, but it's, it's very painful when your body is just really tight. And I just had to learn techniques on how to like loosen that and relieve that. And, um, and just so everyone knows, it's a diagnosis. It's a, it, it's a problem, like Jenny just said, that can manifest into other problems. Mm-hmm. So then what you have is those other problems might be diagnosed first because they seem to be the most um, at the top of the list of, of diagnoses that patients usually get mm-hmm. or that doctors usually see. Mm-hmm. They don't usually see a diagnosis of pelvic floor dysfunction or even give you that mm-hmm. diagnosis. So, you know, they're familiar with a UTI. They're familiar with incontinence. They're familiar with this one or this one or this one and this one. They're not familiar with the, the pelvic floor. Not at all. And so then that Which is crazy because we all have missed. one. Yeah, Even, we all have one. And it's a major and part of you. And why is it not talked about? It's a major part of you, it but is it's, a major it's part. skipped. Like yeah. even I've studied massage. I've studied anatomy. We don't talk about the pelvic floor. No. You, that's the one part the of your body that class. you don't really massage on people either. No. You might massage the belly. Uh, most people don't like it because they feel like you're getting up close and personal with them. Um, I had people that I would work on their psoas, so you are kind of in that area yes, a little bit. Yes. But again, you're not going over to where like the transverse mm-hmm. perineum is, which mm-hmm. that would be... It, you would be up. You would be up in their uh, their taint, basically. And, and again, maybe that's why. But here we are. We're in the 21st century. It's 2021, yeah. everyone, and we're still not comfortable talking about our bodies and our body parts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find that unusual because if I have something wrong with a particular body part of mine, I want you to figure it out and I want you to talk about it. And mm-hmm. I don't care if you say the word uterus. If it's my <gasps> uterus, then I need you to solve it. You know, I, I mean, I'm just, I've, I've had so much experience within the last four years with my own health diagnoses and crises that yeah. I've become so comfortable talking about my body that I'll talk about it to my dog yeah. for crying out loud. Uh, but I have an 11 year old son and he has seen everything that I've gone through. And yeah. while he's autistic and may not, you know, be able to comprehend um, a lot of what I've been through. I've always been very open with him about discussing his body and any body issues that he might have. We we have to start that conversation very young. Oh, for sure. Because otherwise we grow up like us where you were taught not to talk about it at the dinner table, which yeah. let's let's be realistic. I really don't want to talk about my uterus while I'm eating dinner. Who does? <laughs> But at the same time, you know, if you have that discussion at the dinner table as a family and you have a child who doesn't know what that means, now is the time to have the conversation. Oh, yeah. Because 20 years down the road, they're not going to be comfortable talking about it with their doctor. 
And it's amazing yeah. if I discuss things about my body parts with doctors, some doctors have looked at me like I have lobsters coming out of my nose because they can't believe that I'm comfortable enough to mention the word ovary or pelvic wall or uterus or vagina or leg Which or why? arm or armpit. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's but, a body part. You know, I came in and here. And it's an, an, it's an it, you're saying it anatomically correct. <laughs> it's so anatomically it's not like, correct. So it's not like you're just like, uh, oh, in your pee-pee. Or, you know. My grandmother was a nurse, so... Yeah, I've grown used to, to hearing some of those things. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was very young, and I, I don't remember a lot of, of those discussions. But, you know, I came in to this appointment to pay you to figure out the problem. So if yeah. I say that word and you look at me surprised, do I need to find someone else to go to? Uh, because we're going to get down and dirty and real, and you better yeah. strap in because I'm yeah. ready to discuss it with you. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, So when I found Jenny Harding, which is awesome, I mean, she's like – up in your business, literally, but you never feel uncomfortable. No, you never feel like, oh, this is this, this is, is awkward <laughs> uh, because she's so professional about it, and yeah. you don't ever feel like. And she is really good at not making you feel weird about it, right? Because she's you're, very you're, she's at the, ease. You have a problem, she's fixing it. Mm -hmm. That's all there is to it, mm -hmm. and I love it. And she's always constantly doing research so that she comes up with new techniques maybe that she didn't learn, like simple things like you wouldn't think that even have to do with the pelvic wall, but breathing is a big thing. Yeah. So she, talk, she talked to me about uh, different ways to breathe, and it connects directly from your mouth. Like if you make it like a straw, so when you breathe in and out, it directs it it automatically connects mm -hmm. to your pelvis, it, which is really weird because you wouldn't think that. You're like, how would my mouth and how I'm breathing direct directly connect to my pelvis? Well, it's but a lot it does. like yoga. I do it a does. lot of yoga. Yeah. And I found that yoga was one of the best things that worked for me. And I found that doing those yoga practices, there is really something to this, mm -hmm. everyone. The, the whole uh, concept of the yoga breathing you know, breathing that in and then letting all of those muscles in your body relax. And mm -hmm. your pelvic floor is no exception to that rule. And there are several poses that really pinpoint those oh, yeah. muscles. And once I started figuring that out and started practicing that on a daily basis, yeah. I found that my pain was diminished by 80%. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. And we'll go into more specifics that have worked for us about this later. Right now, we're just kind of putting the groundwork of of yes. what our topic is. Yes. but. Well, thank you for listening to Sick and Tired. I'm Amy with an A. And I'm Jenny with a Z. And just remember, Sick and Tired is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. This show comes out weekly every Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can get your podcasts. If you want to support this independent podcast network, subscribe at patreon.com slash LAS Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Sick and Tired, a podcast for people who are sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. I guess we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. LAS.